Father, through your word and mysteries today. Please fill us with your spirit, not as some kind of spiritual booster shot, but that we would rest in your mighty act of salvation for us and so that we would walk not according to the flesh but in your spirit. Satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts today with your fullness and continue to bring us to repentance and faith in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to begin today with a point of clarification uh, regarding the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is uh, Alive 175. You've heard us talking about uh, the big general convention that we went, 5,000 plus Lutherans gathering in one place. And this is the advertisement that uh, the church actually generated for that. I don't know if when you think of Lutheran worship, is that the kind of picture that you're thinking of? They look pretty happy. They're rejoicing there, aren't they? It's a good thing, right? Sometimes we clap our hands, we are happy to be here and everything like that, right? But at General Convention, this actually created a bit of a stir amongst people that uh, I was speaking to because that really speaks to the worship wars that are a part of our church, right? Some people really love to praise God and that's nothing wrong with that. And some people uh, like to stand with their arms beside their pockets, right? And stand like that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. Everything we do, we do to the glory of God. But for some reason in the Christian church, and it may go beyond the LCA, I'm sure it does, there is a competitive spirit at work amongst the people of God. And that competitive spirit, it really likes to judge and compare itself uh, with other churches. doesn't matter whether it's LCA congregations or other denominations too. And the issue arises actually when one group looks at the worship style of another and says, you don't have the spirit because you don't worship like we do. So if it looks like your hands are sewn inside your pockets of your pants or whatever it is and you're not doing this, then you know maybe you don't have the spirit. And the other ones might make an accusation and say, well, because you're doing this all the time, uh, that's just this emotional reaction. Uh, you don't have the spirit. We're, we have the spirit here. We're very reverent worshippers. It actually ends up with this competitive spirit. And you end up with comparisons being made between congregations that maybe use these chanted orders uh, with Holy Communion and those have all the speakers, full blast, the electric guitars, the drum kits, the holy mosh pit at the front of the church. You know, they're two different ways of actually worshipping and praising God. But there's another dangerous thought and we need to hear this and we need to name it today too and that is that you can manufacture an experience of the Holy Spirit. There's no 10-step process for revival in God's church and so we need to be careful that we're not using worship to manipulate emotional responses from people that is often then credited to the Holy Spirit. We need to actually be careful about how we how we actually operate. And our own position, we are a confessing evangelical church. That's who we are. And our confession is that what is most important above any particular style or any particular order of service or any particular way that we might try and create an experience for people, what is most important is the clear proclamation of the gospel because in the end it is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, nothing else. 
And so we're blessed in the, in the Lutheran church to have a position where we have freedom in the gospel to do things and to structure our services in, in the, in the end, what's most important is not whether we're saying the creed every week or, or, or the type of order that we've got, but that Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins and raised for our justification is proclaimed. That's what sits at the heart of who we are. The Holy Spirit is not linked to a personal worship style. The Holy Spirit is not linked to your preferred style of worship. It's not linked to the volume and I'm quite loud today. So, the Holy Spirit isn't linked to the volume of our worship or the silence or the quietness of how we're worshipping. The Holy Spirit is jealous though. The Holy Spirit is jealous for the glory of the Father and the Son. And so when people try to draw attention to themselves or who can only glory in ecstatic experiences of the Holy Spirit, we're called to test those spirits and discern if they're of God or of the evil one. We don't just accept things holus bolus. We test the spirits. Now God can work in ways we don't expect and we need to be open to that. He's God, we're not. But we can't lock him in. You can't box God in and tie a pretty little bow You've seen the website godinabox.com? Yeah. Can't do that. We can't say God only works according to our, our comfort zones. The Holy Spirit calls people through the gospel. And that can happen in buildings like this. It can happen in house churches, in hospital beds, in nursing homes, wherever people gather to hear the voice of Jesus Christ calling them through the living word of God. There the Spirit is moving to save people. And in Acts 2, that place was a home in Jerusalem where everyone had gathered together. So that's just by way of introduction. Now, I asked the kids, uh, you know, there's a bit of a visual feast up the front here today. So what, what are the visual cues for you for Pentecost? What do you expect to see today here as we gather? What are the, what are the things you think of when uh, Pentecost is mentioned? I'm not wearing my stole, so you haven't got those pictures. What do you expect to see? A dove, that's right. Nice, gentle dove um, descending, that's true. It's used in the Bible. What other images are used for, the, uh, for Pentecost? Fire, yeah, that's cool. What else? Fire, dove, what else? Living water. Sometimes we look at baptismal fonts too, don't we? Uh, in, in baptism. We have the pictures of the dove and the water and all that kind of stuff. Today, Caleb, we're going to linger on fire. Okay? We want to talk about fire. want to linger on that for a little bit. In Acts chapter 2, uh, there are what appears to be tongues of fire that were together and then separated and came to rest on each person. And thinking back in the Bible, because I'm feeling interactive today, thinking back in the Bible, where does God reveal himself to people and in their lives as fire? Moses. Okay, so you've got the burning bush. Good job. Exodus, what do you mean, Steve? Pillar of fire uh, by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Anywhere else? In the book of Daniel. Yes. There is fire in the book of Daniel. That's true. Where else? Genesis, transfiguration. We had glory at transfiguration. We had clouds. I can't remember fire. I could be wrong. 
yeah, sacrifices, the altar, big, uh, big fire. There's lots of fire. In the Psalms, there are lot, there's lots of fire. Fire comes from the Lord's mouth in Psalm 18. In Daniel 7, uh, there is a river of fire that streams forth from the Lord. In Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord flashes forth like flames of fire. Elijah called down what from heaven? Fire from heaven, that's right. Out of the burning bush, which you all got, the Lord speaks to Moses as fire, the pillar of fire, travelling with the Israelites. Mount Sinai trembled and was covered with smoke and fire. We have Acts 2, but I want to ask you today, does anybody know why we have candles in the church? Why do we have candles over here in the church? Fire. True. What does it mean? Why do we have, why do we have lit candles in the church? Because if we don't know why, we should grab them and very ceremoniously march them out. If we don't know why they're here, then they don't serve a purpose, right? Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Do you know what? The candles are here and they're lit with fire to show you and to remind you of God's presence with his people. That is the reason we have the candles. That one right in the middle, that's the Paschal candle, last day, that that's lit today, last day. Okay, Rita? Won't light that again unless there's a baptism. The other ones are Holy Communion candles and these ones on the side are symbols of the fiery presence of God among his people. That's why we have them. Fire is the Lord's presence with you. That's what they're meant to draw your attention to, that God is here, present with you and for you today. And so Acts 2 isn't about glorifying in the gift of tongues, which is what tends to happen. It's not about glorifying in the gift of tongues, but the fire of the presence of God with you. It's celebrating the presence of God who comes to us and who speaks the mighty things of God through all the various languages that were heard by the people that day. It's not about... Can you pray in tongues so that nobody else can understand you and even perhaps you can't understand yourself? It's not about that. It's about the presence of the Holy Spirit who comes and absolutely crosses every imaginable boundary for the sake of people hearing the Gospel and being saved in Jesus Christ. It's about being saved in Jesus. That's what it is. Don't focus on the gift, focus on the giver and what he's doing through that. Now you may know all kinds of things about God, but what use is that, friends? Knowing things about God? What matters is that you've been called through the Spirit of God, that you have been marked and adopted and justified and sanctified and forgiven of every sin because God's fiery presence came and rested upon you and saved you. The Holy Spirit works to save people in Christ Jesus, to draw us into God's family, to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, that we would know intimacy and closeness with our Heavenly Father, that we would bear that fruit in our witness to the world. This is the Spirit who is present among us today. And I say, who is present among us? Because the Spirit isn't just some kind of mystical force field. The Spirit is a person. 
So you can talk to the Holy Spirit as you talk to Jesus and as you talk to your Father. Now this beautiful work of the Spirit, because it's about salvation, because he works to save people, his work is so hotly contested. And I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you, in a sermon on the Holy Spirit and on Pentecost, if many of you felt really fidgety today, if many of you felt like you didn't really want to listen or if you, your mind was on other stuff because this is hotly contested in the spiritual realms. Because the Spirit unites your life to Jesus. That's what he does. He grows in you fruit. He bears faith in you. He bears witness to Jesus through you. The enemy hates this. Satan hates it. And so the battle is fierce around the work of the Spirit and maybe you've experienced the heat, some of the heat of that battle in your life. In Acts 2, that's what happened. It's exactly what happened as people started to react to what the Spirit was doing in Jerusalem. This happened. There was confusion and there was amazement. Some people had questions, others were perplexed. But there were also others there that day and this is important for us to hear because they were there making fun of the Christian brothers and sisters. And there it is, right in the book of Acts, the work of God being contested through mockery. Having a joke at the expense of the Christians. Many a Christian has felt the sting of mockery, being laughed at for the sake of identifying Yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. I remember when I first returned to church as a new Christian and it's almost, it's 13 years ago next month in June that that happened. And I remember as clear as day that I got labelled by my mates when that happened. I got labelled, I got tagged. They'd laugh and say, Vaughan's not allowed to have fun anymore or he's going to upset Jesus. Or Vaughan, if you want to hang out with us today, you're going to have to get baptised again, mate, because we're going to get into some trouble. Or Vaughan, you want to come with us or you want to hang out with your churchy mates? You need to choose us, the cool crew, or your churchy buddies. Now, I know I'm not alone in that, I know there will be people on this side of the room who experience that daily. I know there are people on this side of the room who experience that as well. It is contested. Now, mockery, friends, isn't nice, but there are worse things in the church than mockery. Satan also works to create, and you wouldn't believe this, works to create fear of the Holy Spirit in the church. Imagine that among Christians and that fear has led people in the church to resist the work of the Holy Spirit, to even retreat when the name of the Holy Spirit is invoked, to flee from that. Fear leads people to cling to structures and cliches like, well, we've always done it this way, why would we change? Or to fear what the Spirit might be doing outside of our comfort zones because it makes us uncomfortable. Fear is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fear led religious people to stone Stephen later on in the book of Acts 
all the more when the Holy Spirit revealed to him this vision of the Son of Man at the right hand of God in glory. And then when, when Stephen shared this vision with fearful religious people, their teeth were grit at him. They, they ran at him. They dragged him out of the city and they stoned him and killed him and they laid their cloaks at the feet of who? A young, zealous Pharisee named Saul. As if there would be anything at all for you to fear of the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Advocate, the Comforter, Wonderful Counselor. And so the voice of one who once had cloaks of people stoning Stephen laid at his feet after an encounter with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, after being filled with the Spirit, wrote this, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. He's saying this is where I used to be. That's where I came from as a Pharisee and where you were. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit doesn't lead us into fear, doesn't lead us into religion, but to renewal and freedom and rejoicing and testifying to the life that we've received in the Gospel. And this one has come to each one of you and I want you to hear this as you were buried with Jesus Christ in His death and as you were raised with Jesus in His resurrection. Applied to you personally through the fire of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And as you think about that today, I want to close with a little bit more fire. I want you to look at that picture of fire. I want you to imagine a living fire because fire has a life of its own. But I want you to focus on that. I want you to think about that. I want you to have that picture in your mind and think about why God would use fire in the Scriptures as he describes himself, but particularly today in the work of the Holy Spirit uniting your life to the life of Jesus. Why might fire be such a helpful description of the Spirit's work in you? On the cross, Jesus Christ bore the fullness of God's fiery wrath and fiery judgment upon all sin in his body. He bore the fire of that wrath and he bore the fire of that judgment for you. He did it that all who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And while Jesus bore the fire of wrath and judgment for you, you were there with him on that cross. You were there with him on that cross. That is where your sins were consumed by that fire and removed from you as far as east is from west. And as you were raised with Christ in his resurrection, you rose up out of the ashes of every sin ever committed. Out of the ashes you rose up. It was all consumed. Every idol you've ever worshipped or lived for 
was consumed by that fire and you rose out of the ashes and left those idols behind. You arose out of the ashes of slavery and fear and religion and helplessness and complacency to live in and by the Spirit of God. The fire of God's presence that fills you today is the fullness of His presence. That fire wastes nothing in your life but it refines you. It is a refining fire and it refines you as precious metal as you grow and as you mature in your faith. It assures you that there is no God but one and that fire sets your heart ablaze with joy in the Gospel. Joy in bearing witness to the mighty acts of God. Joy in seeing and serving others that their hearts would be set ablaze with the fire of the Spirit and to know Jesus and to worship Him forever. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord fill you with His Holy Spirit today. The Lord fill you with His Holy Spirit, with the fire of His Spirit and set your hearts ablaze to the glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the fiery presence of your Holy Spirit that has come to rest on us and not only rest on us but fill us. Set our hearts ablaze as we consider the mighty acts of God that have brought about our salvation. Let your fires burn in us, that you would grow us in our faith and in our maturity in Christ. You would send us out as spirit-filled witnesses to your glorious deeds, that your church would not be a stagnant place, but a place of life where love comes to life, where People can come and be filled and to know and to rejoice, to know who you are and to receive from you and to be constantly filled and to continue, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we're not looking for a booster shot today. We're not looking for you to bless our particular style of worship. But our desire is for you to have you, that you would live in us and that we would know you and that your name would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and keep them safe in Christ Jesus. Amen.